Father, I just thank you for this time together. I thank you that your word will go forth with power and might that those gathered here and those gathered online will have hearts to receive the very word of God, that we will be transformed by the word of God. Our relationship with you will become more intimate. Our confidence, our trust, our hope, and our faith in you will increase. Speak to us tonight through your word. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. I've gone around with Debbie recently shopping. I've become aware that the once abundant shelves of stores in the United States are not as abundant as they once were. That there are some things that are either lacking, some things appear to be gone. There is a diminished supply greater than what I've seen at other times in my life. We were out yesterday and there was a section, very wide actually, maybe 15 feet wide, you know, however many shelves I have high, and the shelves were nearly bare. I don't want to say I was alarmed by it, but it certainly was peculiar. It certainly was unusual. We've seen the supplies that we normally would find readily available diminish in their volume. And some products you might have discovered are difficult to find. And if you do find a particular item, you might discover that it's costing you more than you expected to pay. You may have had this thought, it costs how much? Now, I don't say that to the people in the stores, but I do have those thoughts. It's, it's, it's how much? And prices seem to just continue to increase, and there seems to be no end in sight to this situation. Take a look at a time in the past when the world was in the throes of a food shortage, a shortage so serious that widespread famine was experienced throughout the earth. In Genesis chapter 41, in verse 54, it says seven years of famine settled in. How many years? Seven years of famine settled in, just as Joseph had predicted. The famine extended to all the surrounding lands. To how many lands? All. Verse 56, the famine had spread across the land of Egypt. Verse 57, the entire world was in the grip of a severe famine. There was a demand for food, but there was not a supply to go with the demand. In this situation, there are people who are literally going without food, whose stomachs are empty for days at a time. Their hope in staying alive is probably beginning to diminish along with the food supply. They're perhaps in despair and wondering what's going to become of them what's going to become of their families, what's going to become of their children. But in the midst of this lack of food, this great demand, it turns out that there happened to be a great supply as well. Genesis chapter 41, in verse 47, it says, For seven years the land produced abundantly, and Joseph gathered up all the food he could during those seven years of plenty in the land of Egypt, and stored the grains in the cities. He arranged for every city to store the food in local fields, and he stored, stored up so much grain, as much as the grains of sand on the seashore, that he stopped measuring it. 
Verse 54 says, in Egypt, there was still food stored away in the cities. Verse 56, Joseph opened up the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians. Verse 57, when the surrounding peoples heard Egypt still had food, they journeyed to Egypt to buy. This is before the Israelites were slaves of Egypt. This precedes that. Chapter 42, verses 1 through 9. When Jacob found out there was grain to be had in Egypt, he talked to his sons about it. Listen, I've heard they have grain for sale in Egypt. You need to go down there and buy grain for us so that we have enough to live and won't die of hunger. So ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt because the famine had reached the land of Canaan. Now let's go to the backstory on this. Joseph is the brother of Jacob's other sons who are being sent. The backstory is that Joseph was sold by his brothers into slavery many, many years before this took place. And they had told their father that their brother was dead. So their father had grieved Joseph's death for years, not knowing he was still alive. Joseph had prospered. Joseph had moved up into the hierarchy in Egypt. Joseph has a great deal of wisdom that God's provided him. And Joseph is in control of the grain. His brothers sold him into slavery, but have no idea what's happened to their brother Joseph. They go to Egypt, and they end up speaking to Joseph. He's the one who decides how much they'll get and how much it will cost. When it was his brother's turn, this is in verse 6, Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the ground. The moment Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, even though nearly 20 years had passed. How many years? 20 years. Verse 8, although Joseph recognized them, they did not recognize him. And then he remembered the dreams he had as a young man regarding his brothers. Are you familiar with those dreams? With the sheaves and his brothers end up having to bow down to him. When we told his brothers all that, they got angry. That's why they wanted to kill him. Instead of killing him, they sold him to slavery. Because who is this young punk little brother who's acting like he's going to be over us? And they got upset about that. And so off their brother goes into slavery. Skipping to chapter 45, there's a lot of other events that take place here. But I want to focus on what happens when supplies diminish. What happens when it seems like there's no way out of the situation that a group of people find themselves in? Genesis chapter 45, Joseph speaking to his brothers, asks them to draw closer or to come nearer to him. His brothers approach him cautiously, and he reveals himself. I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Don't be upset or angry with yourselves any longer because of what you did. God sent me here ahead of you to preserve life. For famine struck this land two years ago, and there are five more years in which there will be no plowing or harvesting. God sent me here ahead of you to make sure you and your families survive this terrible ordeal and have a remnant or descendants left on earth. So it wasn't really you who sent me here, but God the same God who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, master of his household, and ruler over the one, everyone in the land of Egypt. 
Hurry now, go tell my father and relay this message. Here is what your son Joseph says. God has made me master over all Egypt. Come to me and don't delay. I'll arrange for all of you to settle in the land of Goshen where you can be near me. You and all your children and grandchildren, as well as your flocks and herds and everything you have, I will provide for you there since five more years of famine are still to come. And I will make sure your household and everything you have will not descend into poverty. In the midst of lack, in the midst of dwindling supplies, in the midst of desperation, in the midst of a great demand placed on the food source that remained, there was actually a great supply available. And we discover when that became available and why it was available. There are three things we're going to look at from this series of verses. Preparation, preservation, and provision. Preparation, preservation, and provision. Somehow, God had arranged. He had prearranged. He had determined. He had destined all of these things to occur. And he had arranged for the care of Jacob's family long before the famine even was on the horizon. Why? Because God knows the end from the beginning. He knew this famine would come. And God made preparation. Joseph told his brothers that God sent me here ahead of you. How much time had passed before they'd seen Joseph again? 20 years. God sent me here ahead of you, way ahead of you. And this provision apparently was in the works at least 20 years before they show up. God is orchestrating events according to his divine plan. What seems like the end of Joseph's days of doing anything well, being sold into slavery, it was all part of a plan, a grand scheme, a grand design. This is all God's doing. He sent me ahead of you. Don't beat yourself up over the way you treated me. God has made preparation for you for this very moment in time. And I just found it amazing that this event is 20 years in the making. So God is at work. And just as, just as God prepared a way for Jacob's family, I believe that God has and is orchestrating things for you and your family, for your good, looking for ways to provide for us, to care for us, to watch out for us. God loves to give. God loves to bless his people. So say this with me. Just as God prepared a way for Jacob's family, he is preparing a way for me and my family. Let's say that last part again. God is preparing a way for me and my family. And let this be a declaration of yours, not a, okay, Pastor David said to say this, so I'll say it. But no, no, no. Let it become a declaration, a heartfelt declaration. 
When you're on, a, on your bed at night thinking about lack that you might be experiencing, God is at work preparing a way for me and my family. God is in the business of preparation, and he prepares long in advance. The next word is preservation. Preservation. God's plan called for the preservation, salvation, and deliverance of Jacob's family from the impending crisis. God knew it was coming, and his plan included preserving them through that time. The good times and the bad times. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He never said there wouldn't be bad times. In fact, Scripture says, in the world you will have trouble or tribulation. You're going to face challenges, trials, difficulty. But I'm a Christian. Right. It doesn't mean you're exempt from tribulation, trials, persecution, and trouble. It means that God's with you in those moments, and he's made preparation in advance to preserve you during. That you come out the other side. I seem to reference this frequently about the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't say... I will camp here in the valley of the shadow of death. Didn't say I built a home in the valley of the shadow of death. The intent was to pass through. Yea, though I walk through the valley, I will not fear for thou art with me. God is in the business of preserving our lives. He's with us even in the shadows that are cast in the valley, and he will preserve our lives. So say this with me. Just as God preserved Jacob's family, God will preserve me and my family too. Now we're going to go back to the first thing and say it again. God is preparing a way. For me and my family. God will preserve me and my family too. Do you believe that? Come on, he's going before me to prepare. Doesn't that remind you of some other scripture? If I go to prepare a place for you? How come Jesus hasn't come back yet? Because he's been preparing a place for you. And I'm going to come back. I'm going to take you home. God is in the business of preparation. God is in the business of preservation. And that brings me to the third point of provision. Provision. God promised to provide for Jacob's family during the crisis. In chapter 45, verse 11, I will provide for you. I will make sure your household will not descend into poverty. Whoa, that's, that's a tremendous, tremendous promise. I will provide for you. I will make sure your household will not descend into poverty. I like that. When I see storm clouds forming on the horizon, when I see some of the events taking place around the world, when I see prices rising and shortages seemingly at every turn, 
I don't recoil. I don't sit down and start crying about it. I get my face into the word of God. God, what have you declared? What have you already said? Are there examples in scripture where you have cared for your people? And there are example after example after example. But this seemed appropriate that in a severe famine that consumed the entire civilized world, that God sent a man at least 20 years before this event took place as preparation for what he knew was coming. God orchestrated it so this man rose through the ranks and became one of the most prominent officials in the land of Egypt. God arranged it so that he would oversee the storage of grain and the distribution of grain. God arranged it that when the famine occurred that Joseph's brothers would eventually show up. God arranged it so that Joseph would be able to let them know. I was sent ahead of you to prepare. Don't fret, don't worry, and don't get upset about the way you treated me. God has been in all of this. He sent me to prepare. He sent me to preserve your life. And he sent me to provide for you. What does that provision look like? He said in chapter 45, verse number 10, I'll arrange for all of you to settle in the land of Goshen where you can be near me. I'll arrange for all of you to settle in the land of Goshen where you can be near me. I will provide for you there. Since there are five more years of famine are still to come, I will make sure your household and everything you have will not descend into poverty. The name Goshen actually means draw near. Joseph told them that he was going to gather them and place them in the land of Goshen. And he actually went on to say, where I can be near to you. The Bible says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Joseph creates that opportunity. God's calling on you and me to draw near to him. He wants to watch over us. He wants to preserve us. He wants to provide for us. That might require us stepping in a little bit closer. That might require us to actually cultivate that relationship in a deeper way. God's calling us to draw near. Why? Because I have prepared a way. Draw near. Why? Because I want to preserve your life. Draw near. Why? I've made provision for you. Preparation, preservation, provision. As a side note, after some time, the Israelites grew in great number in the land of Egypt, and another ruler arose, and that's when they were taken into slavery. And they were in bondage for a long, long, long time. Then Moses shows up, and a new Pharaoh eventually lets them go. It wasn't until after ten plagues were unleashed on the land of Egypt. And where did the Israelites dwell? In the land of Goshen. And who did the plagues affect? All those except the ones who drew near to God in the land of Goshen. In this land where, where they drew near to God, God preserved them 
in the midst of these devastating, devastating plagues. And he, God, wants to preserve your life in the same way. So when he says, come on, draw near to me, draw near to me, come close, come under the arm of my protection, I'll watch over you and care for you. That's what God wants to do in these times. He's done it before, he'll do it again. He wants to show himself strong on your behalf. He wants the world to see his greatness through the preparation, preservation, and provision that people see in your lives. So say this, just as God provided for Jacob's family, God will provide for me and my family too. We will not descend into poverty. Come on. That's powerful. If you mix your faith with that, you stand firm and are confident in what you're declaring. We're not declaring anything outside the word of God. I will not descend into poverty. God will care for me. God has made provision for me. God has gone before me to prepare a way. We look around, it seems like there's sometimes there's no way out. There's no way of escape but God. There's no way to overcome this situation but God. There's no way to get through this, this time of great difficulty but God. But God. God the Father. A father whom the Bible says if a, if a natural father knows how to give good gifts to his children, how much more your heavenly father. If a natural dad knows how to be kind to his children, how much more does our heavenly father know how to extend kindness to his children? If a natural father does all he can to clothe his children, if a natural father does all he can to feed his children, if a natural father does all he can to shelter his children, how much more our Heavenly Father? God loves each of us very deeply. God loves you deeply. We have a Father who loves us deeply.